take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Be sure to check us out online on our Facebook page and Instagram at Couples Synergy or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couples Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for nearly 20 years. Everyone says you should work on a relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast as a way to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with. On today's episode, we welcome Hilla Mater. Thank you so much, Hilla, for joining us on our podcast today. And did I, did I pronounce your last name correctly? Yes, it's Hilla Maidel. Awesome. I, you know, my last name is so long, people <laughs> mispronounce it all the time. <laughs> so, okay. you know, Hilla, maybe you could tell us a, a little bit about yourself. Um, how old are you and, you know, what do you do for a living? How old I am. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm uh, 52. I am a life coach and a therapist. I used to work as a, a professional medical massage therapist for 15 years. Uh, and I also had um, a clinic for um, coaching mainly parents of children with special needs. I'm a mom of a special kid myself. And now with the COVID, uh, I cannot have my clinic anymore. So I'm learning how to do it online. Wow. I know that's a really um, important topic. A lot of people are dealing with that about, you know, raising special needs kids and they've asked us to share. So we're really excited to interview you. And before we get into that, can you talk about your childhood, where you were born and raised and what was the culture like there? Um, yeah, I was born in Israel and i'm the youngest of three children my older brother he's five years uh, older than me he has special needs so growing up that's all i knew um was to take care of my brother life in israel are wonderful israel is a beautiful country people are warm very welcoming very open straightforward however uh, 15 years ago, uh, we decided to move to Canada, to Calgary. You know, Hilla, when you say special needs, I think that it's kind of a general term, right? And that, right. you know, there are, there are different disabilities that kind of fall under that category of special needs. Maybe you can talk a little bit about, um, about that and, you know, what is the differentiation? Like what, what are some of the disabilities that fall under the definition of special needs? Special needs is everything that is beyond uh, typical. So there are the physical uh, disabilities that everyone can see. People who use wheelchairs um, or 
people that are blind or cannot hear. And there are mental disabilities, developmental disabilities like uh, autism, like my son, and uh, other, even learning disability is a disability that can really affect your life. And when growing up with your brother and taking care of your brother, what, which special needs um, did, did he struggle with? Well, my brother has uh, developmental disabilities and um, physical disability. He has mild CP. So back then, at the time, there were no really uh, organizations or activities for people with special needs. So he spent most of his days at home. And I had to be there for him and take care of him. Uh, my father passed away when I was really young and I was the, my mom had to go and work to bring money home. I was with him. So he's not alone at home. Uh, from really young age, I become, I won't say his mom, but I had to be there for him and take care of him. Um, just make sure that we're having lunch together, even. So you know firsthand and how to be a caregiver, and you know what that entails. Now in in yeah. Israel, well, there are no were there no services for people with special needs, and and how is it now? Now now there is huge improvement. I think Israel is quite a leader in taking care of people with special needs. Uh, I'm talking 50 years ago, it was just the beginning. Uh, back then, I think everywhere in the world, uh, people that are now in their um, mid-50s or even 60, they were or uh, institution, institu institutionalized, institutionalized, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> institutionalized or they were hidden somewhere. Uh, many families didn't want to take care or didn't know how to take care of people with special needs. My brother was always at home. And so it was mainly with my brother, just that he won't be alone taking care of him. He didn't need really physical treatment. Uh, nowadays, uh, there are many organizations uh, same as in North America for people with developmental delays, with learning disabilities, with autism, with everything, and also fundings. So nowadays governments, people understand that having a kid with special needs, especially again, the developmental ones, is, is really a struggle. It's not easy at all. And everyday struggle so it's not something that um doesn't end yeah it's 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 never ending story you know there's another interesting thing about your life journey is that in your country everyone has to serve in the military right and here you don't so some people do and some people don't so in the united states there's like this big divide about what people are like that have been in the military and, and then the people that haven't. How has that affected the culture over there that everyone has served? I find it very 
important. I mean, I see that first about myself, I remember that I was waiting to go to the military to serve my country and just to be that mature and responsible person. Um, now, when my children are in their 20s and I can compare them to their peers in Israel, I see a huge difference in the maturity of that age group. Knowing that you are going to serve your country, you, to have responsibility for lives of other soldiers that may be only one year younger than you, really makes a huge difference. And everyone or most people wants to go be in the military. It affects everything later on when you go to find a job. People would ask you, okay, where have you been in the military? What did you do? So, so it's a bonding I, thing. Mm -hmm, very much. I don't know too many people that know that in Israel it is compulsory to serve, and it is both men and women that have to serve. I was wondering, what was that like then for you to go and serve, and you had to leave taking care of your brother? Well, by the time I went to the army, uh, my brother already, th there were already some programs in Israel in place for people with special needs, and my brother was lucky enough to be there. So I went there because I really wanted I mean, it, it's not even wanted. I had to. I wanted. It was just part of, there was no other way but to go and serve and be in the military. I felt good because my mom supported me, my family. My mom uh, was actually remarried by then. So my brother was also, my stepbrother was also in the military at the same time. So when your it, mom it, was uh, that age, did she also have to serve? When my mom was in that age, um, it was just the beginning of Israel. Israel was established in uh, 48. So uh, my mom uh, didn't go to the military. And I think more of because she married my dad. So if you're married, a female that is married doesn't have to go to serve. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. How, how old are your children? My children are, my oldest is 25 and my son is 23 and my youngest is 21. And do they also have citizenship in Israel? Yeah, we all have dual citizenship. They were supposed to go as Israeli citizens to go back to Israel and serve. However, because we live here for over 15 years now, uh, they were exempt. Would you have chosen that for them? Like, would you have wanted to encourage that? <laughs> it's interesting question. Uh, my oldest actually did go to Israel. When she graduated high school, she was not sure what she's going to, to do. If she's going to study something, if she's going to university, if she's just going to travel. And we offered her to go for one year to volunteer in Israel. And then it would be kind of a gap year and with meaningful 
uh, gap year and then she would know what she wants to do. Can I share her story? Sure. Which is very interesting. Uh, so she did go to Israel. She went to volunteer in a village for people with special needs. And there she stayed for a year. Uh, during this year, she met another volunteer from Germany. And they became boyfriend, girlfriend. And it worked probably very well because after a year, she came back home. She said, hi and bye. I'm going to pursue my relationship with him in Germany and moved there. And two months ago, they got married. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That's a and, really inspirational story for healing in the world that, you know, within I, 60 years, you know, people can fall in love and start all over again. Yeah. And I think it's, it's awesome for them. Uh, my son didn't go. Uh, my son is autistic and also has a CP. So he was just exempt from service. He lives with us. My youngest, when she graduated, we tried to do the same trick with her, send her to Israel. Um, but she was very focused in going to school. So she did go to university. She is in university and she was planned to go now to Hungary to study there, but because of the COVID, she would start uh, doing her schooling online from here. Now, you mentioned that your son was exempt from serving. Are there specific disabilities um, that are exempt? And then are there other disabilities that may not be exempt? Well, my son was exempt mainly because he's here. So it was just bureaucracy. But if we were in Israel, every one in Israel, every youth, when they are about 16, the military starts to call them to try to sort out to see what they can do and how to serve the best in the military. So they are going through um, psychological assessments, physical and try to find ways for them to serve the best with their traits. So there are, I don't know exactly what would be the level or from what disability or what type of disability the military won't accept. I can imagine or I know that there are many disabilities that if previously in the past they were automatically exempt, now the military would try to have um, people with wheelchairs or even autistic people um, serving and utilizing their abilities. For example, someone with wheelchair can still be great computer person or work in the office or do amazing things. Um, my son, he's autistic, but still I think with computers and paying attention to details, he can be in knowing two languages as well. He can work in the intelligence department. So people with special needs do serve in the Israeli, in the IDF, and they are doing amazing job. That is really amazing to hear mm -hmm. that and fascinating. 
And uh, I imagine, I mean, starting at age 16, they're doing these assessments to be able to find what role, you know, they would be able to fit in. That That is really awesome. Yeah, it feels really, like, inclusive. Like, we don't have these lines. Like, we have a ton of lines here in the United, in the United States. What about, um, I don't even know the right way to say this. Are Israelis, are they all the same religions? Are they all the same? Do they look all the same? Or do they have different features? Or is there any type of class or race kind of stuff there? Israel is a place where mainly Jewish people from all over the world came together. So many are fair colors, blonde hair, blue eyes, like me, if they came from Europe, their ancestors came from Europe. We have uh, many Israelis that are darker toned skins. We have Ethiopian that are darker as well. So in Israel, we have all colors. Uh, religion, most Israelis are Jewish. Uh, there are huge Arab uh, population in Israel. They are Muslim. And there are also um, many that are Christian. The majority of religion in Israel is uh, Jewish people. And it, no matter what your religion, everyone would still serve? Mainly the Jewish people, the Arab people, not all of them. Okay. So are they sort of considered like uh, guests or not part of the citizenship? Well, the, these questions are very complicated uh, about uh, who is Israeli, who is Jewish, who is going to the military. Uh, I don't know enough even to answer. I do know that there are many Arab and Bedouin that uh, do serve in the military in, in very important and high-ranked uh, positions. And was it a dangerous place to live when you were living, living there? I think it's less dangerous than it sounds like. I mean, even nowadays when we hear about terror attacks or things that are happening in Israel and we are on the edge of our seats here and then we call our parents, friends, family, they don't even feel it. So when we were there, it felt... It's always in the air. You feel that something is going to happen. And when something happens, so we just start to count down till the next time. It's kind of a way of but life. It is the way of life, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's quite safe place in, in the big cities in the majority of the country. Now, you met your husband in Israel, and he served as well. How, how did you meet? We were actually neighbors. Uh, we, after the service of both of us, my husband is five years older than me. Uh, we rented, uh, each one of us uh, had apartment in a building in this small neighborhood. And there we met. <laughs> <laughs> what and was it, it about him that you fell in love with? Everything. Only, only later we realized that his brother actually uh, is my classmate. Mm. Uh, we went together to the same school. Uh, my husband, his name is Ran. Um, 
he's the most amazing uh, person in the world. He's the total opposite of me. He's very shy, very introvert. He let me do all the talking and <laughs> and he's just fun, loving, caring, smart, amazing guy. Uh, what is the ritual or the, I guess custom. that's a good custom, of getting engaged and getting married? What was your story? Usually, probably, it's like anywhere in the world, people are dating and then they decide to get married and that's what they do. Uh, Ran and I actually <laughs> met and within two weeks, we just got married because oh. we knew... <laughs> we just knew it, it it was it 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 was obvious that we are we are we are getting married there was no question there and i know it sounds odd i mean to go and buy a car it takes more time than two weeks <laughs> and decide the color of the walls but with him it was no brainer we just knew how old were you when you guys met 24 24 and he was and five years older yeah, he was 29. And within two weeks. I think that's the, the fastest that we've yeah, heard, I right? Yeah, so. Two weeks. <laughs> and how long have you guys yeah. been together? Almost 30 years now. Wow, that's awesome. So did you guys have kids before you moved to Canada? Yeah, all our kids were born in Israel. Okay. We moved here when they were almost nine, seven, and five. And it's your son that has special needs, correct? Yes. What was, tell us about his birth and you finding this out, or maybe you knew when you were pregnant. We didn't know uh, while we were pregnant. The pregnancy was was okay. The only thing was that uh, Nadav was born on week 29. He was very premature. He spent two and a half months in uh, the... Um, NICU, probably. Yeah, NICU. Um, so being premature, his lungs were not developed yet. And red lights were on from the beginning. He needed oxygen. Uh, all his um, tests were really not good. I remember the doctors used to come and say, uh, during these two months, you know, just be prepared. He's never going to walk. He's never going to talk. He's never to do. Uh, he, he's never going to do anything. Just know uh, his condition was really, really um, bad. Um, after, as I said, two and a half months, he came home, and we said, "Well, this is our kid. This is what we got." And we're going to love him forever, as long as, as, as we can. And our goal, not only with him, but with all our children, is just we want them to be happy. We want them to do the best that they can in life. We want them to fulfill their potential. And I think that being content in whatever you are doing is really the recipe for success and happiness. So that was the goal for him. And the first years were really hard. We had so many follow-ups with him. 
Um, he was kind of a miracle that every, every day was a miracle that he made it. He went out of the NICU and then he started to walk and even to talk. Everything was very, very much in delay. Uh, we knew that something is wrong because we, we could see that, you know, when, when you have a child, all your friends having the children at the, about the same time. So we could see that. And I had already one daughter at home. So I could see that this is the age that everyone starts to walk and he is not. Everyone is crawling and he didn't. Everyone is talking, mumbling. He's not. But uh, we just believed in him. We just knew, okay, we are going to follow him. He would lead the way. How did you cope yeah. with that in your, um, your attitude, your emotions, your self-talk? I think it was easier for me than uh, to my husband. So, I, I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's okay. I have a brother with special needs. Now I have a child with special needs. So it is what it is. I didn't have any, I didn't feel sorry for myself or I didn't have these hard emotions that I hear uh, from now my clients or from other people. It, for me, it was just natural. And I knew that whatever he has, we are going to, to be there for him. So it, it doesn't make it easy, though. Um, there are many things that you need to balance. I had another uh, girl at home. I have him as a baby. When he was uh, even less than two, I had another girl. So all the time it's the balance between his needs and going to the hospitals and therapists and be there for him while you have two more children and then you have the friends that would tell oh why he's still in a stroller he's five or why does he still have diapers when uh when he is uh, three and it's it's very hard for uh people um for parents whose children have um invisible disability um, to explain because from the outside everything looks okay and then you know when your child throw tantrum in the grocery store and everyone looking what a terrible mom you are because he is throwing himself on the floor and and you cannot explain it even you I, I just didn't bother to to explain how did you help your husband, you know, with his own emotions and his own thoughts um, and the struggle for him? And then also, I imagine you have to also coach parents, you know, how not to distance themselves from each other in going through this. Right. Um, I think that communication in any relationship is a key. Uh, be open about what you feel, be open with what you think and share it. And my husband and I had 
lot of uh, talking. It was not really hard to, to explain him, my husband, because he, he knows my brother, he knows my family. So for him, it was just a little bit, you know, it, it wasn't that uh, strange. I do see though families in my clinic couples that for them it's the first child in the family that has special needs and then all their family is judgmental. you know staying very judgmental mm -hmm. staying away their friends and they find themselves alone dealing with a child with special needs and uh, one of them is kind of drifting away and the other one, usually the mom, is taking care of the child and she feels so alone and this is very overwhelming. So with this mom, what I try to work with her is to find that one person that would be with her and support her, find a support group. It, on Facebook even, but people that just understand, that knows what you are going through, because when you have a child with special needs, usually you think that you are the only person in the world with a child with special needs. And you feel very isolated in, in most cases. So find support group and talk about that. Don't hide. And people that are judgmental, people that say what a terrible parent you are and give you all these advices that I don't know where they came from, just say thank you, goodbye, and don't spend your time with negative energy and people that are not really helpful. Is there a lot of um, shame that you have to work through? I personally... You know what? I, I, I don't because shame is something that I feel and I was never ashamed of anything that I did or I never, never, ever been ashamed um, on my son or my children. Nothing to be ashamed of. I do understand why you're asking. Many people are Mm -hmm. They feeling embarrassed, their, their child is not as perfect as they thought. And this is really hard uh, emotions to go through. Again, the way to deal with these feelings is first to acknowledge them. It's, it's okay that you feel that way. Let's see why and let's try to turn it. Be proud of what you do have. You know, I knew a boy once that he was 13 and he was developmentally about six months. So still in diapers, couldn't walk. And he had this amazing smile on his face all the time. And he just looked like he was having the best life. He, he didn't talk, so I didn't know what was going on inside of him. But can you talk about some of the blessings about having a special needs child? There, there are many. I think one of of the things is never take life, ne never take anything as granted. I mean, be appreciative and have this gratitude to 
what you do have and find the little things that, as you said, this smile, it's, it's everything. And his parents probably did something very well to very good to have their uh, child smiling. So just enjoy these things in life. And I mean, everything is good. Find uh, what your, your child can do and learn a lot about yourself. I imagine that it it really helps thing helps put things in pers- perspective and Very much. and to be in the moment to yes. enjoy the moment there's a one of our neighbors has a special needs kid and you know she's probably in her teens would you say or you know um, and she swings on a swing set all the time you like know, at two in the morning in the snow. It could be raining. It could be, you know, raining. It could be just night at, you know, in the, in the middle of the night, but she swings and you could just, you could just see that she is so happy. You feel that joy. You just feel that joy and just being in the moment and, and enjoying that, that experience. And I, and I think what you were saying is, you know, don't take life for granted. I would think that, you know, a special needs kid would really help you, you know, see that moment by moment. Yeah, I, I think it's, there are so levels to your question. I think one is what do you as a parent do for your child to make them as happy as possible? And this is, again, it's true for any child, any child you have, uh, typical or with disability. Just listen to your child, see what their strengths, where their weaknesses, what they love to do, what they don't love, and just lead them in the way to be the best they can. Don't compare them to others. There is always going to be someone that is, I don't know, more pretty and more handsome and stronger and run faster. It doesn't matter. Be the best that you can. So... This is for your child. And, and this is the same that I ask uh, or I, I want to do for myself. I want to be the best mom, the best parent that I can for my child. I want to lead by example. So did you have a different feeling about your daughters in terms of their potential and in terms of the expectations you had for them? Or were you able to also just allow them to be who they were and to live their lives the way they were choosing? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see any difference. I, for every uh, child that I have is kind of his own person. I don't compare between my children. I don't uh, say to one of them, you have to be like, the other one or like your cousin or like your friend. Everyone has uh, their abilities and I encourage every one of them to follow their hearts because at the end of the day, I believe that I cannot force myself on my children. I cannot tell them, okay, you need to be that and that because it was my dream and I didn't fulfill it and then I think 
it's going to ruin their life if this is not what they wanted. So my philosophy in parenting is from the beginning, every, every parent knows their ch child. So let them do what they are good at, what they want to do. Listen to them and believe in them that they are going to find their way. There are children that it takes more time for them to find out. There are children that, I mean, my oldest, it took her another year to know what she's going to do. My youngest, since really young age, she knew what she wants to do, and it's fine. And my son also, he knows what he wants to do. He wants to be the, <laughs> the best gamer that he can be um, in Minecraft. So that's what he's doing. And it's awesome because he's so happy. I'm so happy for him. So was that a similar philosophy that you were raised with? And did having a special needs brother help your parents to be more accepting? Um, I don't know how things are culturally. I mean, he's the oldest son, right? Wouldn't that have been a big deal? Well, my brother is not the oldest. I have okay. a 10 year, uh, I have a sister that is 10 years older than me and then my brother five years and myself. I think it's very similar probably now when I think about this. Yeah, because my sister, uh, she is a very talented musician and she's a psychologist. So that's the route that she followed. My brother, um, he works in over 35 years in the same place. He works in a hospital as um, the crew that helps around in the hospital and um, and then myself I'm also uh, in the therapist world when did you decide to you know go into the career of helping people with special needs or helping parents you know of, of a special needs kid I think I, I was always kind of in the treatment or working with people field. Although uh, my son birth kind of twisted my career, I started in the legal field, actually. I was working as a mediator in court for many years. And I thought that that's what I would do. I would pursue a career, a legal career somehow. And when my son was born, I said, okay, this is just a sign for me that I'm, I'm not in the right place. I need to uh, change and do something with people with special needs. And then I became a teacher. And later on, I became a massage therapist. It was just before we moved here and I wanted to have something that I can do as a self-employed and stay at home and take care of my son and then I became a coach and also a human service worker which is like social worker so I think his his birth was kind of a turning point for me when you think about the experience of your brother and your son and the cultures around that and the type of support you may have or may not have is the help sometimes 
pressureful. Like, you know, we have these goals and you have to meet these targets. And, you know, maybe when there wasn't so much help, like with your brother, he was just more allowed to be. Because I see a lot of parents who have their kids are in OT and their kids are in this therapy and that therapy. And they feel all this pressure to get them to all these things. Um, I don't know. Sometimes it seems like maybe it's too much pressure. Pressure. There is always pressure from society about anything that we do. Because people around us have opinion and they would tell you what you do and what you wear and how to raise your children. And everyone would tell you something, especially in Israel, by the way. People are very much into other people's business. However, uh, I think, again, it's my role to put my boundaries and decide what I choose to listen to. So it's awesome to have all these treatments for your child with special needs. It's awesome to send your uh, children to all these after school activities and it's okay. But sometimes you need to stop and see if you do it for your child and it's helping your child or if you do it because someone told you to do it or because you do it because you just give up and, and you do whatever other people are telling you to do. So what would you say to a new family that is in the beginning stages of just learning that their child has special needs and that they're in the beginning of raising this person? What, what advice would you have for them? First, I would say welcome to the family. I would give them a hug and promise them that they are not alone. I know that this realization is sometimes very heartbreaking. Young couples, with, especially with their first child, they expect something and now they have a child with disability or they find out during the time that their child has uh, special needs. So my advice would be find the best support that you can find family friends uh, social groups uh, religious group every place that can support you and every person including family that has negative attitude or that criticize you or that just pushing too much, don't let them in. And just continue with positivity. Learn to love your child, be there for your child. And every day is a new day. And you may be surprised. So one last question, and this is, sort of similar, but maybe a little bit different. I want you to think back to when your kids were small, maybe seven to 10 and life is hectic and busy and you just don't have it together. And you're having that major meltdown and feeling horrible at how you're doing as a parent and the stress. And if you could speak to someone that's in that moment right now, maybe they're listening and they just feel like they're losing it and they don't know what to do. What would you say to them? 
Well, I, I can really see this moment a time because these were exactly when we moved to Canada. We came to a new place. We don't know anyone, new language, new culture. Everything is new and no one to support you. And the only person that I found to be my rock was, is my husband. So it comes back to where we started, communication and sharing. And with my husband, I, I could be who I am. You know, when I went to outside, I was this uh, strong uh, super mama and I was willing to kill anyone that would say something about my children. But at home, it was the safe place that I could be, you know, uh, let my husband be there for me and say, you know, it's so hard. It's not easy to start life. It's not easy to immigrate. And it's especially from warm weather, like in Israel, to this cold place like Canada and with children and one with special needs. So... I think the strongest unit that I can think of is the family and have this open communication, have this love and support and be there for each other. It's the most important thing that helped me. Well, thank you so much for being on our podcast today, Hilla. It was wonderful to get to know you and get to know, you know, what it is that you do for people. Thank you so much for having me. You know, people have been sharing stories since the beginning of time to heal and learn and bond and grow. And we hope that by you sharing your story, it's enriched your life and the life of our listeners. I hope so too. Thank you. We want to wholeheartedly thank you, our listeners, for joining us today. Uh, on Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy, and our programs such as the Couples Weekend Intensive and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded edited and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez. Mm-hmm.